With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 462 of the DBR, the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are here. It's been a, a busy few days for Duke hoops, for Duke athletics. Uh, it is Saturday morning. It's before the football game, so we're not going to get to the football game at all in this podcast. That's good because, frankly, we've got tons of basketball stuff to discuss. Uh, Sam Klein. I'm Jason Evans. No, duh. I should really tell you who I am because after 462 of these, I'm sure you're completely clueless. In any event, I'm Jason Evans. I'm hosting this week. Sam Klein is joining me. Sam, how you doing today? I am great. I am happy to be uh, talking about a couple of Duke victories, even if one of them was a bit of a nail biter. And uh, oh, they, they, were both, a... they were both nail biters. I mean, it was. I, 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 yeah. I would describe the game we we thought was going to be easier as the as the bigger nail biter. Uh, and uh, and Carolina lost both in basketball and football yesterday. So. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a span um, of ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. People texted people texting me going crazy like they lost both games in like ten minutes time. <laughs> and, and and Carolina losing to NC State in football is like a, it's, it's a truly crazy thing. So because um, that never happens. <laughs> uh, we're sorry again that Donald Wine cannot join us today. He is uh, he is still enjoying. I think he's probably like on his way back or something, or maybe coming back today from the World Cup. He he watched his final match yesterday, the U.S. versus England which was, wow. I mean, like for a nil-nil tie, that was as good. That was as much fun as I've had what watching. A, yeah. What a what a pregame for the uh, Duke-Xavier game. Yeah, it turned out okay, to- right. So raise your hand if you maybe 
missed the beginning of the Duke Savior game because you could not stop watching the the U.S. Uh, men's it was uh, it was team. stressful the end of that USA England match. It was it was a great a great match and a lot of uh, you know so exciting. The World Cup is I, I wish FIFA uh, I'm sorry I wish FIBA the basketball folks would understand one tenth of what the 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 football the soccer folks understand and make their tournament a little bit more interesting. There, I, I could do three podcasts <laughs> about the ways FIBA has screwed up international basketball, but we're here to talk about Duke basketball. How about we get to that, Sam? You think that's a good topic? Sounds good to me. All right, so here's the rundown. Here's what we are going to do. Even though these, uh, we got two games that have happened in the past two days. We're going to recap both of those, both the uh, uh, surprisingly close game against Oregon State and, and then the game against Xavier that was uh, expected to be close and was close. Uh, we will then take a break after we do that, and then we will come back and preview the championship game coming up Sunday evening in the PK-85. That is not against Gonzaga. A lot of us had looked forward to and were expecting it to be Gonzaga. It's not against uh, Gonzaga. Instead, it's against Purdue, which is also a really, really good team and a tremendously interesting matchup uh, between the Duke front line, which has been so, so impressive this year, and arguably the best player in the land so far this season in Zach Eady of Purdue, 7-4. Well, okay, we're going to get to that later. First, we got to talk about Duke versus Oregon State, which is the first game that happened this weekend. The Blue Devils win that game 54-51. to In our preview, Sam, we said Oregon State's not good. This, this is not going to be competitive. Duke's going to handle these guys with ease. We were way wrong, way wrong. Let's start with headlines. Give me yours. I'll give you mine. And then, boy, did the boy did the listeners come through with a ton of headlines. Uh, my headline from this game was "Damn it," uh, but I spelled "damn" D-A-M. So <laughs> I uh, like that. That was that was it. Just "Damn it." Yeah, we got a number of uh, of headlines related to Beavers. I was on the same kind of theme. I said, "Beavers, damn up the Duke basket," but rebounds rule the day for the Devils because the story of this game was Duke couldn't shoot. But if they miss, they just grab the rebound. <laughs> uh, so and tried again and, and clanged and clanged another one. Right. Yeah. Eventually, though, we got them in uh, the basket enough to, to pull out the victory. Here are I, I, we must have had 15 at least headlines. I, I picked out five, which is way more than I should. But I'm still doing five. Anthony Sherry. Duke has to flip the switch as young team gets the win clearly talking about Kyle Filipowski and Ryan Young, who were the stars of this game. Jason Wilkinson with the headline, Beavers nearly take a bite out of Duke. Ken Swanner, Beavers gnaw on Duke, but come up short. Brian Campbell gave us, gave us awful offense, almost outs Blue Devils. I just love the way that kind of rolls off the tongue. <laughs> and then Kenneth Hazen. Get ready for this, because you have to listen to it twice. Duke double, double, doubles denies Oregon State, because both Young and Filipowski had double-doubles. So props to those folks, a hat tip to all of our headlines. Sam, up next, the good. I think I can guess where you're going to start, but go ahead and start it for me anyway. Is it rebounding? Uh, yeah, you think? Yeah, maybe. I think, <laughs> I think in the Oregon State game, uh, the only good thing was rebounding. No one was shooting the ball well. Uh, the, the, I, I guess... Maybe you could say that, that Duke was playing somewhat effective defense because Oregon State only scored 51 points. But it, it's sort of like uh, it, 
leave leave all of this leave all of this out for Duke. So uh, in total, Duke grabs forty five rebounds to Oregon State's twenty nine, including uh, twenty two. Let me say this again: twenty two offensive rebounds for Duke. Almost as many offensive rebounds as they had defensive rebounds, uh, and they nearly beat Oregon State on the on that end of the floor. Twenty two offensive boards to Oregon State's twenty three. That is a recipe like this is this is sort of or this must be the worst outcome that could happen in a game where you have near parity at one end of the floor on, on the glass. The the rebounding stats in this game are crazy. You already said Duke out rebounded them by 16. Duke has uh, through this game. Duke had out rebounded all six teams that we played this year by a double digit margin. That's that's outrageous. It's the longest stretch in the history of Duke basketball of out rebounding teams by double digits. It, 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 I mean, it's bonkers that they're doing this. And through our first six games, Duke has 106 to 44 advantage in offensive rebounds. We're plus 62 in offensive rebounds. I mean, we're just crushing teams on the boards. If you can't shoot, just miss it and grab the rebound. That was our theory in this game. It was a kind of a miracle that Duke won a game where we shot 26% from the floor. We we kept on taking threes and missing them, and we kept on taking twos and missing them. This was the lowest. We shot 26.7%. It's the lowest shooting percentage in a Duke victory in history of Duke basketball. That's Think about how long this program's been going on. We've never won a game where we shot 26.7% from the floor. We are now the number one team in the country at offensive rebounding. Our offensive rebounding rate is 44 Point four percent, and mean, that's after we'll get to in the yeah. Xavier game. Duke wasn't great at offensive rebounding in the Xavier game; they were nearly good, right? And and there are two guys that have to we have to focus on in terms of this offensive rebounding: it's Kyle Filipowski and Ryan Young. Ryan Young, by the way, after the Xavier game, is fourth in the nation, number four in the country at offensive rebounding rate. He grabs better than twenty one percent of all shots missed when he's on the floor. That's it's just ridiculous. You you don't see numbers like that. And Kyle Filipowski is just like he's like one of the best offensive and defensive rebounders in in all of college basketball as a freshman. What the two of them did in this game, they willed Duke to victory. There's no other way to say it than that. Filipowski, by the way, now has 66 rebounds through his first six games through the Oregon State game. That's more than any Duke freshman ever. Better than Mike Jaminski. Mike Jaminski had the old record of 65. So uh, arguably, I mean, it seems crazy when you think about the number of impressive freshmen that Duke has had in history. Kyle Filipowski's early on putting up one of the best freshman campaigns we've ever seen for a Blue Devil. I was thinking during, not so much during the Oregon State game, because I wasn't thinking any positive thoughts during the Oregon State game, but during the Xavier game, uh, even while Jeremy Roach was was keying the victory for Duke in the second half, uh, I was thinking for most of that game, wow, I can't believe that Kyle Filipowski has turned out to be the best player on this Duke team so far this year. Like Roach made a few, and I know we'll we'll talk more about this, Roach made a few incredible plays down the stretch against Xavier, but Filipowski had some of the best moves both on the glass and like with the ball, passing the ball, shooting the ball. It's it, it, it's It's incredible the way that he has just become a huge force and not just against, you know, 
overmatched opponents. Oregon State should have been an overmatched opponent, but uh, even even against good opponents, the degree to which uh, Kyle Filipowski has just taken over the game for Duke. You know, you alluded to it, but the other good thing, in addition to the rebounding against Oregon State, as we try and compartmentalize into you know specific games, was the defense. Oregon State made one field goal in the final 10 minutes of the game. I mean, I know this was a low-scoring game, but again, they made one field goal. There was only one time they took a shot and it went through the basket in the final 10 minutes of the game. In the final five minutes, they only scored four points. Crunch time, winning time. Oregon State scores a total of four points, all of them on free throws. Duke only allowed 24 points in the second half, only allowed 51 points on the game. It, it was... Our defense was good enough to win, thank goodness, because our offense was terrible. Should we get? Should we go to the bad, Sam? I, I don't want to say much else on the good from this game. In, in, <laughs> in a game where we in a game where we said that, that Duke was going to win handily, and it, like th this is the worst, this is the worst game so far this season for Duke. Yes, let's talk about the bad. There's there's much more to dissect here, and. I, I wonder how different we how differently we would be having this conversation if Duke didn't come back against Xavier and look uh, at, at least much improved, if not perfect, given, you know, Xavier kept it close. But yes, let's talk about the bat. Yeah, well, and so first of all, Oregon State is not a, a good opponent. There, there have been some times that Duke has played teams where you go, oh, you know, those guys are those guys are better than you would think. Right? I, I still no. I don't think Oregon State no, that's is... not the case here. <laughs> I mean, they may be better than 230th or something like that, that they were ranked coming into this game, but this is still not nearly a top, uh, not even a top 150 team in the land. I, I I would doubt it. This this might be their best performance this season. Yeah, there were um, some insane, crazy plus minus stats. And, and look, I say this every time we talk about plus minus. In one individual game, plus minus can be really screwy for reasons that have nothing to do with the individual player. But... When you hear the players that I'm about to give you plus minus stats on, you're going to go, yeah, that guy played great. Oh, that guy, not so much. Check this one out. Ryan Young was plus 15 in his 30 minutes of playing time. In a game that Duke wins by three, Ryan Young was plus 15 in plus minus in his 30 minutes. Derek Whoa. Lively, Derek Lively, the other center, was minus 12 in his 10 minutes of playing time. Ouch. Not good. The... Uh, Jalen Blakes was plus 10 in 16 minutes of playing time. Mark Mitchell, minus 10 in his 11 minutes of playing time. Now, plus minus doesn't tell the story, but if you want to talk bad, I'm sorry. I I'm going to be honest. That's our job. We can't just be rose-colored glasses. Tyrese Proctor was awful in this. I mean, epically awful in this game. He kept on getting... Wide open threes. Like they, Oregon State, I guess, had decided, or Oregon State is just really terrible at defense. They decided we're going to leave this guy wide open. We're going to concentrate on other stuff. They, for the most part, Oregon State was packing it in, trying to stop our big men, and they were leaving Tyrese Proctor open. And he kept on taking wide open three pointers and missing them. And then at the other end of the floor, he was committing fouls and, and putting them on the line. And we talked about how much Oregon State was struggling to score. With 58 seconds left in this game, in a one-point, it was a one-point game, Tyrese Proctor fouled an 80% free-throw shooter for Oregon State. The guy was like 83% or something like that in the season. And he missed the front end of the one-and-one. One. That may have saved the – I'll be honest. If he makes both those and Duke's down one with less than a minute left, the way we are playing offense, I don't think – I'm not sure we – I'm pretty – I would say we would be definitely 
pick to lose the game at that point. And I just, I, it's not just the box score, like watching him on the floor. It wasn't just that Tyrese Proctor was one of seven. He just looked awful the whole time he was out there. I'm actually surprised at this point that John Shire hasn't removed Tyrese Proctor from the starting lineup and replaced him with Jalen Blakes or, or I, I don't know. I suppose if Tariq Whitehead was, was healthier and, and looked a little more in game shape, then, then it might be him. There might be a, a method. To yeah, this I mean, here. Jacob Grandison, there there's, there's uh, Jacob Grandison has had games where he's been infinitely better than Tyrese Proctor. And, and it's going to be something to watch. I think this season, because we were so high on Tyrese Proctor coming into the season. I think mostly from reports. It's not like, the, well, he showed the, us. There's been time, he showed us glimpses at times. There are glimpses, glimpses but, yeah. And and I maybe this is the the first big challenge that John Shire has because look, it's it's a bummer that Duke lost to Kansas, but I think we said after that Kansas game, fine. Kansas is also really awesome. They're a big time national title contender, and it's totally fine for Duke to you know lose by a couple possessions to Kansas early in the season. On a neutral floor, nothing although wrong with it's, that. Although, although it's worth noting, Kansas has not looked great since that, they, and True. they just lost. To, they lost badly to Tennessee the other day. They've had some close games, like how how Kansas looked coming out of that Duke game, and how they look now a week later are not the same thing. It's not like it's not like Duke got blown out by them though, right? Duke, right exactly. Th- th- this Oregon State game is the is the only like real blemish on Duke's record to this point. So as far as is John Shire going to be completely overwhelmed by the by the circumstances? No. Right. Things seem to be going fine for Duke this season. And and a lot of my fear about about like, what does it mean that Duke is taking on a first time head coach? So, not, I don't know if it's a lot of it. Some of that has been allayed at this point. Let's see how John Shire reacts to ACC season, where I'm sure there will be more losses because the the intensity gets ratcheted up, especially in a way, gyms. But I think the first challenge, it seems like for Shire this year is going to be what to do with Tyrese Proctor. And maybe it gets sorted out. Because when Dariq Whitehead comes back, it sort of becomes obvious that he has to be in the starting lineup and Duke is able to figure that out. But does Shire keep giving Proctor 15, 20 minutes a game if he's missing shots and turning the ball over and and committing bad fouls? Duke also has the benefit, it seems like, so far this season. If Proctor has been has been, uh, you know, so mediocre, I suppose. Jalen Blakes has been, I think, even stronger than than I expected him to be. So it seems like Shire has a very easy, like, well, let's just plug in this other guard here into the lineup. But the way that he manages that, both in the media and behind the scenes, I think is going to be really interesting and uh, may demonstrate to us some of Shire's maturity as a coach really early in his career. You know, I don't have the stats game numbers pulled up in front of me, Sam. While I'm talking about this, you can get them. But Jalen Blakes, I know we're technically in the bad section here, but I'm going to go to a good thing. Jalen Blakes crunch time minutes. I'm losing that category. I think I had two minutes or something like that. I, I think I've already lost that category. I, when the game is I, on the line late in the game, Jalen Blakes is absolutely in the game, belongs in the game. I mean, he is so overperforming my expectations. It's I, I, I'm not sure there's... I'm not sure there's ever been a Duke player to overperform my expectations like this. And let me tell you, Jason, you're going to be happy to learn that I might give up on tracking this category because I have determined that there is not an easy way to do it. I can't yeah. tell that I can't tell that there's play by I was trying to actually I was updating the stats game this morning because what I realized 
uh, a couple of weeks ago, right? I think soon after we did it is that I gave myself a few categories that are going to require me to track it game by game, as opposed to going back at the end of the season. This is one of those where I thought that there was easy play by play data that had the substitutions in it. And I can't find that. So if someone, if someone knows where I can get that information, because I don't think it's available on ESPN or on sports reference. Uh, if you know where I can get the easy substitution data, please send it to me so that I can uh, win this category. Because so far, I think Jalen Blake's probably has something like five or six crunch time minutes given these two games from uh, from Portland so far. And you're right, Jason, if we want to go back to the good, Jalen Blake's has been outstanding uh, holding it together for Duke, both on defense and on offense. And I'll I'll spoil one thing for you, which is that my play of the game if we're if we're doing the play of the game for for the whole uh, two games here, my play of the game is Jalen no, no, Blake. No, no, no. We're, we're we're gonna do it for both games. Each game gets a okay. play of the game. Well, my play of the game for the for the Xavier game is going to be Jalen Blake's uh, grabbing the the loose ball that Jacob Grandison tips and going down to the other end for the and one. Um, he's he's keeping it together for Duke in a way that I didn't even expect. So uh, pretty awesome, pretty awesome so far for Blake's. Should we get back to the bad? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Uh so we talked about Proctor, which I think um which I think is the is the biggest bummer here. In general, the shooting from Duke, there was a lot of outside shooting that just wasn't working. Uh Jeremy Roach, I guess we have to call out. We're going to talk about how great he was down the stretch against Xavier, but against Oregon State, Jeremy Roach also was was taking weird ill-advised shots, took a lot of threes that were clanging off the rim, not that any Duke players were reliably hitting their threes, but Jeremy Roach is the he's the junior he's the captain uh, he's the point guard for Duke. We expect Jeremy Roach to have a little bit more handle on the game in in situations like this where you know Duke is in a Duke is in a close one against a bad team or or even if Duke is in a close one against a good team, uh, Roach is the one who's supposed to be stepping up. As great as it is that Jalen Blake's is playing well, I expect Jeremy Roach to be doing some of the things that Blake's is doing. So Jeremy Roach is 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 one of the uh, one of the low points as well uh, for me in the Oregon State game. Yeah, and, and uh, look, the the, the three-point shooting was absolutely abysmal against Oregon State. Uh, Filipowski's one of five. Roach is one of seven. Proctor's one of six. And I want to be clear about something. They weren't bad shots. Like, it wasn't like They're we were taking three. Them. Yeah, it wasn't like we were taking threes. You're like, oh, I'm not sure about that one. Like, those were wide open threes, and we couldn't hit them at all. I mean, in this game, Duke hit 17%, 17% from three-point range. The only thing I would say to sort of mitigate this, to, to move it from bad to okay, is I think that down the stretch, late in that game, Duke kind of recognized, all right, we're not hitting our threes, and they stopped taking them, which I think was a wise thing to do in this contest. And, and they just started trying to pound the ball closer to the basket because that meant there were opportunities for Filipowski and Ryan Young to grab those offensive rebounds, which is what saved Duke and ended up winning the game for us. All right, Sam, are we ready to get to? Let's let's do our play of the game, our favorite play from the from the game. Um, give me give me yours. Uh, can I take both of Derek Whitehead's three pointers early on? Because I think the most exciting development for me in this game is that look, it's not it's not at at the 25 or 30 minutes a game that he should be playing. But early in the game, Dariq Whitehead showed a lot of why he's supposed to be one of Duke's, if not Duke's very best player this season. And very confident, 
I, I thought uh, taking those three pointers, I was really excited to see them. I, I, I thought early on, and I almost texted you guys this, that, wow, if Dariq Whitehead is, is hitting threes, Duke is going to, Duke's going to run away with this one and not probably even in the way we expected. So give me both of Dariq Whitehead's three pointers that looked really smooth early in the game. So I've got two nominees, nominees, two, two picks is my favorite play. That's not quite how the word favorite works, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a little bit of a privilege here and do this. The first one is uh, Kyle Filipowski's three-pointer, the only three he hits in the game with the shot clock dying, the shot clock like less than one second left. With eight minutes left, Duke was down three, and this is the shot that tied the game. He took, a th he took the three. It was off the dribble. Like I said, the, the shot clock was almost done. It was one of those situations where you're like, there's no way Duke's getting a positive outcome out of this, and he, he drains a three-pointer. At a at a huge key moment, probably it's probably the last three pointer Duke made in the whole ball game. <laughs> but it was a it was a huge huge moment in the game for Kyle Filipowski to do that. Uh, and and by the way, it wasn't like a lucky shot. Like he's legitimately able to make that shot off the dribble the way he did because he has such tremendous skill for a guy who's seven feet or close to seven feet. But my other nominee, which I actually like even better than that, with about seven minutes left in this game, Kyle Filipowski was found himself on defense against one of their, one of Oregon state's smaller players. I, I want to say it was against Pope, their, their best player. And, and the, and the guy kept on making moves, kept on trying jab steps, kept on trying to free himself up because he was being guarded by a seven foot center who, who probably shouldn't have any business on the perimeter guarding a player like that. And lo and behold, Kyle Filipowski would not give an inch. He battled and battled and battled, forced a bad shot, which, Ended up getting blocked by Ryan Young. And that possession to me set the tone for the defensive intensity for Duke down the stretch. Flip battling a guy smaller than him and not giving anything up. And then Ryan Young blocking the shot. Those two guys led what I thought was a great defensive and effort um, effort on the boards. That, that's the whole reason Duke won this game. And I just thought that one play, it's so rare that a defensive play ends up being the play of the game. But to me, that that was the one, and, and it, it it sent Duke going forward. All right, Sam, we're going to advance now to the next game because the Duke Duke played the very next day against Xavier, a considerably more impressive opponent, one of the best offensive teams in the land. The Blue Devils win that game, seventy-one to sixty-four. It was it was reasonably close down the stretch, but Duke had this one. Uh, Duke had the lead the the entire second half. I'm I'm fairly sure. I'm trying to remember if there's any moment that they – no, nah, I don't think so. I'm, I'm pretty sure Duke had the lead the entire second half. We, yeah, we, the, the whole way. Yeah, in fact, looking at the stats now, Xavier led this game for a minute and 57 seconds. Duke led it for 36 minutes of the game. So we basically led um, the entire contest. But it was a close, com very, very competitive game against a really tied, good team. Jason, with about five and a half minutes left in the first half, and then Duke took the lead the rest of the way. But it, it it felt the whole time closer to that. And especially there was a there was a moment down the stretch where Xavier cut the lead all the way down to three and had sort of all the momentum coming back. So even though Duke had the lead the whole way in the second half, it certainly didn't feel like this game was was over at halftime or anywhere close to it. Not yeah, not even close. And Xavier is the kind of team that you're probably going to face in a round of 32 or a Sweet 16 kind of matchup. They're they're a very good ball club, and and this is a, a really nice win for the Blue Devils coming off of especially the the poor game to Oregon State. Let's do headlines first, Sam. Uh, give me your headline. 
Oh, shoot. I didn't write a headline for the Xavier game because I was so uh, impressed with myself with my headline from the Oregon State game. Why don't you do one? And and in the in the moment, I, I, I swear I prepared for the show uh, in in the moment while you're doing that, I will think of one. OK, so my headline from this game, Roach runs the show. Uh, because this was this was clearly Jeremy Roach's best game of the season. We got a couple good ones from uh, from the listeners. Uh, Josh Levinson gave us Roach lowers the boom. He spelled boom b o u m because there is a key player for Xavier named Sule Boom. Now I don't know that Jeremy Roach lowered the boom on Sule Boom because Sule Boom had twenty three points this game, <laughs> but I appreciate him uh, trying to figure that out uh, between Duke and Xavier. But then the best one, Clinton Weaver. Clinton, I'm tipping my cap to you right now, my friend. Musketeers check into the Roach Motel, but their upsets hopes are exterminated. Clinton, I love it. That's a really good one. Twice, uh, twice punny for uh, for Mr. Weaver. Uh, yes. You know what? I'll, I'll I'll take the second half of his just because uh, just because it was such a good one. So I'm not giving you a headline today, but but we get we're getting so many good headlines from the listeners. It feels like I can just uh, mail it in a, a, on this segment. Yeah, there you go. And by the way, folks, we're, I'm, I'm getting lots of headlines. I'm not getting lots of favorite plays. Send us your favorite play also, because we want to we want to find out from all of you. Well, you know, what's your headline from the game? What's your favorite play from the game? Listener engagement. This is this is what it's all about. This is what they tell you you need to do. Right. <laughs> OK, let's get to the good from this contest against Xavier. Sam, tee it up for me. What you got? Yeah, from from this game, there is uh, th- there's a lot of good. I want to start on defense, as you mentioned. Jason, there uh, Xavier is one of the best offensive teams in the country. Duke played. Duke has, uh, I think we've talked about tempo a couple times, uh, especially leading up to this game. It was sort of a an interesting question, like how much is Duke going to uh, match Xavier's tempo versus maybe try to slow them down a little bit. Uh, this game, sixty six possessions, not the fastest game. So Duke was Duke was holding Xavier down a little bit and turned Xavier over fifteen times. Fifteen turnovers in this game. Uh, I'm really impressed with the way that Duke was able to um, not just create steals, but also knock the ball out for dead ball turnovers, uh, force Xavier to to travel a few times. And and this was a, a team effort, by the way, on defense. Duke was switching, uh, no, not switching. Duke was uh, was rotating guys in and out a lot. There was a little bit of foul trouble early in the game, especially from the big men. Um, both both Ryan Young and Derek Lively gotten a little bit of foul trouble, and so uh, lots of lots of substitutions that John Shire had to make in this game, but so much defensive pressure that even in that, the, the brief run that Xavier made in the second half, it felt like they never fully got comfortable. I was even watching, I think early in the second half and thought to myself, it feels like Duke should be up by more given the amount of defensive pressure that they're putting on. Xavier is just such a good scoring team that even when you put a lot of defensive pressure on, they have a lot of guys that can take threes. They have a lot of guys that can make baskets. So it was that I thought was the the most impressive thing from a team perspective. Yeah, the defense is definitely something we need to talk about. Duke has now held all seven opponents we played this season to ninety points. I'm sorry, to seventy points. Ninety would be ninety wouldn't be good. Seventy points or less. Um, Give them the full uh, credit. Under sixty five. Yeah, or, or, or sorry, other than the other than the Kansas game, um, Xavier only scores sixty four points and. And Xavier usually scores more than that. Yeah. And and uh, like you said, Xavier's a really good offensive team. This is the first time all year they've been held to less than 65 points in a the game. They they came into this game 
averaging 85.8 points per game. Team averages 85, Duke holds them to 64. That's that's really impressive. And a lot of a lot of that defensive effort was our big men down low. Jack Nunji of Xavier is their leading scorer. He has scored at least 14 points in every single game this season. Against Duke, he shoots one of 13. That is that is not good. And part of that was Jack Nunji missing shots. But a lot of that was Ryan Young, Derek Lively, Kyle Filipowski playing outstanding, outstanding post-defense. Duke held Xavier without a field goal for the final 5.51 of this game. They, they got two free throws with 5.10 left. And then they didn't score again until two more meaningless field goals with 13 seconds left. Basically, the, the, the free throws at the end of the game, free, free throws. Sorry, not field goals. Free throws. I apologize. I, I missed. I knew Jason. I, I had to watch this game on delay a little bit. And so I knew the final score as I was watching. I, I finished it actually this morning before we started recording. And so I know what the final score is going to be as I'm watching the last five minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, huh, I guess uh, I guess Xavier never really never really threatens Duke here at the end of the game, at least in, in those last couple minutes, because, yeah, they, they Duke just just totally puts the clamps on them at the end. Yeah, it, it was impressive defensive effort. Like I said, most of it to me felt like it was happening with our big men down low. Um, you know, you mentioned we, we only out rebounded them by one, but Xavier is a very big team. And uh, they, it's anytime you can get an advantage on a team like that in rebounding margin, it's a big deal. And, and part of that rebounding margin, again, was on the offensive boards. Duke ended up with a 12 to four advantage in second half in second chance points. Um, Duke only had nine offensive rebounds, but we were able to convert, uh, you know, a decent number of them. And part of why we didn't have as many offensive rebounds as we usually do is, Sam, are you ready for it? Duke actually shot well. Big shot making. Huge. What? I mean, way to <laughs> way to learn your lesson immediately from the Oregon State game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally on the backs of the Oregon State game where we hit 26%, Duke hits 50% of their field goals in this game. We hit 45% from three. You know, it's really interesting. Against Oregon State, we took like 29 three-pointers. In this game against Xavier, we only take 11 three-pointers, but we hit five of them. The the shooting was really on display. And all right, time to get to the players. Sam, Jeremy Roach. Clearly, Let's talk about Jeremy Roach. No question it. about it. His best game of the year. Utterly dominant when getting into the lane. Uh, he, you know, he would get in there. He would finish with layups. He would finish with floaters. He took short-range jumpers. You know, not necessarily the shot that I love the most, but but he was nailing them. Uh, on this game, Jeremy Roach hits 9 out of 15 shots. He goes for 21 points. He had 5 assists, only 4 rebounds. Just barely missed out on the 10-5-5 five and five game that we've been looking for from him. Um, and it really felt like more so than any other game, he was running the show. We've had, you know, we've talked a lot about the fact that, you know, Roach and Proctor and Blakes are all sort of sharing the distribution job, sharing the, the job as the main ball handler. In this game, it fell to Jeremy Roach more than it has in any other game, and he really came through. Played, by the way, 35-plus minutes. Um, you know, usually Duke's minutes are more evenly divided than they were in this game. Roach and Filipowski and Mitchell each topped 31 minutes in this game. Those were three guys that had to be on the floor, and the one who had to be on the floor more than anybody else was Jeremy Roach. And Corey Alexander was 
was beating us over the head with this in the commentary because I guess he uh, he knows Jeremy Roach very well. So he was talking about this a lot. But but he mentioned that uh, when Roach is able to get into the lane and find even a tiny amount of space, he has so many different ways that he can finish, which I don't think has been as apparent in most of Duke's games this season. I think in a way Roach has, has deferred a little bit to the new guys to try maybe to try to get them going. Maybe for some reason he's not feeling uncomfortable. But like you said, Jason, his best game so far this season displayed so many moves that uh, we either haven't seen from him this year or, or have seen in, in very limited spurts. And also sort of maintaining the uh, the attitude for Duke in this game. Uh, there was an element of like Xavier, Xavier, like I said, in the second half, Xavier was threatening a little bit. And it felt like Jeremy Roach maintained the the composure and and kept all the guys in it. I love the way that not only he's playing offense, but the way he's playing defense these days uh, has been a real pest far out on the perimeter, helping to when you know, you, you mentioned that that Duke's big men were were putting in a lot of effort to to limit Xavier in this one. I think that some of that was actually starting on the perimeter with Roach. So great game from him. Can we also uh, talk about about Filipowski and about Jalen Blakes? I think Jalen Blakes is the one that I was I was so excited about from this game. As good as as Jeremy Roach is in the role that we anticipated, you said earlier that Jalen Blakes is is exceeding expectations in this. He plays 25 minutes in this game. And look, it's not like he's he's scoring all the buckets, although he does have my play of the game from this one. But uh, as a distributor, as a as another defensive pest on the perimeter and as someone who's sort of keeping everything together for Duke, Jalen Blakes is is playing a lot of roles and doing it off the bench. So we've now gotten, I think, to the point in the season we're only seven games into this thing, but we're now at this point in the season where at at around the first time out, Jalen Blakes comes in and I get a little excited. Like I'm I'm hyped to see Jalen Blakes <laughs> come off the bench because I know that some that some awesome you know energy play is about to happen for Duke. I my Jalen Blakes takeaway from this game is a word of warning to everyone in college basketball: do not try to take a charge from Jalen Blakes. My man is thick; he is muscular. There was a point in this game where he was going toward the basket. And a guy from Xavier tried to take a charge on him. And the Xavier dude ended up on his ass on the ground. <laughs> uh, I forget. I don't, they did not call the charge. I think, I think Blake's ended up getting free throws out of it. But the guy from Xavier was like holding on to his chest. I think he thought he'd been punched by Mike Tyson. It was, <laughs> I think, it, it, I think it was Kunkel. Um, like, yes, stayed yes. on the ground. I think Kunkel stayed on the ground for for like an extra five seconds that you're like, okay, it, it was fine. Get up. But yeah. but no, Blake's, but he, I think, knocked the wind out of him. Oh, yeah. Jalen Blake's bringing the ball to the hole hard. Hey, the guy I wanted to talk about, in addition, you know, we talked about Jeremy Roach, Mark Mitchell. Mark Mitchell, have yourself a, a second half, my friend. He came out. Here is the start of the second half. This is the play-by-play -play of the second half. Mark Mitchell makes a layup. Mark Mitchell blocks a shot. Mark Mitchell makes a layup. <laughs> and then about a, a 30 seconds later, he hit a three-pointer. He scored seven points in the first two minutes of the second half, helped Duke stretch it out to a 13-point lead. Look, Mark Mitchell is one of these freshmen who we've seen having up-and-down games. He, he he was bad against Oregon State. He only played like 10 minutes against Oregon State. He was not good. In this game, 31 minutes played, 6 of 11 from the field. Like I said, he hit a three-pointer. Um, ends up with 16 points. And just his energy, he had, a, he had a number of times 
you know, he grabbed five rebounds, but but he affected more rebounds than that. Uh, I, I thought it was one of his better games of the year. And again, playing against a big athletic team like Xavier, uh, it, it was very impressive to me that, and we needed, we needed Mark Mitchell in a big time in this game because some of the other, you know, wing kind of guys, Jacob Grandison had a, had a very, very poor game. I thought only played 10 minutes. Jacob Grandison's plus minus was minus 13 in 10 minutes of playing time. That's that's disturbing. That's not good. And and we've mentioned, you know, Tyrese Proctor continues to struggle. Um, Tyrese Proctor to me, look, and we're, sorry, we're mixing good and bad now. And I apologize. That's just, that's going to be how it goes here. <laughs> should, should we flip it all? Should we go to the bad now? We, I guess we can. All right. I, I don't mean to bag on Tyrese Proctor too much. But here I am bagging on Tyrese Proctor. Anyway, uh, in the previous game, <clears throat> he took seven shots. In this game, you know, he only hit one of them. And, and he looked not good. In this game, it looked like Tyrese Proctor was back to being tentative, uh, afraid of what to do, afraid of making a mistake. He was 0 of 2 from the field. He played 18 minutes, only took two shots. He didn't hit either one of them. He had two assists and two turnovers. I thought his defense was nothing special, nothing you know worth talking about. Like you said, Jalen Blakes was clearly the better player for Duke in this game. Proctor's just, he's in a major, major funk. And I i don't know what it's going to take to, to get him out of it. I'll extend your commentary on Proctor to most of the guys on this team because this is probably the game this season where Duke's quality was concentrated the most in the fewest number of players. And you mentioned how, how three guys played over 30 minutes. Jalen Blakes plays 25 minutes in this game. And basically everyone else, other again, Ryan Young has a has a pretty decent game for Duke. Everyone else is is fairly mediocre for Duke in this game. Not only Proctor, you mentioned Jacob Grandison, uh, Derek Whitehead. After you know, I, I said I was excited that he made some shots early in the Oregon State game. Uh, was was mostly a non factor against against Xavier, and so I'm a little concerned. I think post this game about the the quality of depth. When it comes to Derek Lively, he's got he he ends up with four personal fouls in this game. Uh, was on the bench mostly, I think, because of foul trouble. He had a couple of really cool blocks, which, which were you know they're fun. Uh, but if, if Lively can't stay on the floor and if he can't if he can't finish, I, I think he had he had one good putback dunk here. But you know, overall, like not his not his best performance either. So a, a lot of uh, a lot of uneven play from the guys who weren't quote unquote, the stars in this game. And I think that's that's the most concerning thing. The thing that I, I think Duke is going to be spending the most time on between, you know, post game yesterday and and when they tip off tomorrow against Purdue, there are a lot of guys that feel like they have areas for improvement after this Xavier game, despite the the victory and the, you know, and, and, and as good as Roach, Mitchell, Blake's flip have have played uh, in, in this one. Yeah, and keeping on with Derek Lively, um, his free throw shooting, he, I don't think he came in with a reputation as a guy who's a bad free throw shooter. He was 0-4 in this game, and they, like every single one of them, like as soon as it left his hands, you're like, that that's not going in. Uh, if he's going to be a liability at the free throw line, it limits your ability to have him in the game, in competitive games, and especially late in competitive games. So so that, that concerns me a, a good bit. I've got to tell you, I mean, I know, we got to, we have to keep it real. We have to be honest. We can't, like I said, we can't have rose colored glasses. 
Derek Lively and Dreek Whitehead are the number one and number two recruits in this class. And yes, I know they were, look, I know Whitehead was injured for a month, like six or eight weeks, couldn't practice. And I know that rust is hard to, to get off and Lively missed probably about three weeks or so from what we understand. Um, and, and missing weeks early in the season is even more difficult than, than later on, just in terms of, you know, they, they never got into a rhythm to get back into a rhythm. They're trying to get into their first rhythm with their teammates and with the team. But it has to be said for guys with their reputation, for guys who are presumed to be not just one and done, but lottery picks, perhaps high lot. Uh, talk to Dreek Whitehead was going to be a top five pick, maybe as high as like number three or four in the upcoming draft. These guys just have not looked They have not impacted games for Duke in a positive fashion. I don't think at all this year lively kind of maybe a little bit but whitehead's whitehead shooting percentages are terrible uh he, he is getting lost on defense i think the reason he played so little in this game xavier has good guards xavier's a good team overall and there were a couple times where lively absolutely you know this team is doing a great job of team defense Derek lively isn't caught up with that yet i'm sorry live i'm i meant i meant whitehead i'm, I'm saying wrong i meant whitehead is the one who was struggling guarding perimeter players in this game, at least from what I saw. And I, I think it may take the Christmas break. It may take some, you know, some real time off from games for Duke to get those guys integrated the way we expect them to be. But on the one hand, I guess you can be thrilled that Duke is playing as well as they are performing as well as they are without two lottery picks playing anywhere close to what they should be. But on the other hand, those guys got to start to play better. It's just and they, they've got Jason. To. You you mentioned that it it might take a little bit of a break here because Duke, especially the last like two weeks, really hasn't gotten much of a break between trap. You know they 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 had to travel to Indianapolis, then come back home for a couple of games. They they, they haven't had like more than a day off at any point here. So the opportunities to to kind of reset. I said that that they're going to be watching that tape and trying to fix problems from the Xavier game in anticipation of Purdue. The the goal number one is beating Purdue. And if it means that the Duke might have to shorten the rotation a little bit more against Purdue because only some of these guys are playing well and and maybe Whitehead and Lively still aren't really healthy yet, uh, that's what John Shire is going to have to do. And by the way, right after this Purdue game, Duke is flying home. Uh, from the West Coast and having to prepare for Ohio State a couple days later. So there isn't yet a break here. Duke begins ACC play next week against Boston College. Boston College is not the best team in the ACC, but it's a conference game. So uh, not not a lot of time to to rest and reset for. I, and by the way, I agree with you, Jason, that it's disappointing as good as Kyle Filipowski has been as much of a revelation as Filipowski has been as the best player, I think, on this team overall this season. We expected a lot more from from Whitehead and and particularly Lively since it doesn't seem like his injury was as serious uh, heading into heading into the season. Yeah, well, it just means that there's a lot that this team can grow on. Hey, let's. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, mentioning Filipowski, just really quick. I, one thing I noticed against Xavier, little little bad thing that I have to mention about Kyle. It feels to me like when he makes when he's making a move in the lane, he's decided to shoot before he is definitely open to shoot. I've noticed that he seems to be forcing a little bit. Part of that may be that he has realized what we have been saying, that, hey, I'm the best guy on the team. <laughs> I'm our go-to guy. I feel like if Duke needs a bucket late, 
Roach and Filipowski are the only guys who are even under consideration for that take the you know take a key shot kind of thing. And I think that Filipowski may be forcing just a little tiny bit. So that's one other thing I had in the bat. It's the only thing I had in the bat. And I was tracking stats game this morning. This was the first game that Roach has led the team in scoring. Mark Mitchell led the team in scoring in the first game. Filipowski has led the team in scoring since then. He's still averaging a double-double. He's had a couple games where he hasn't quite hit the the 10 rebound mark, but Filipowski is still averaging a double-double. And I, like looking back, I think from our from our preview of the season to now, the thing we have so far like underrated the most is Kyle Filipowski's production. He has been no question such like yeah. in, and in this game, uh he only he only gets 12 points and and four rebounds. Still makes, as you said, Jason, like you just identified that he he makes some questionable decisions with the ball when he decides to shoot. And yet he is still such a good shooter and such a good offensive playmaker that you're you. I think you've just flipped the switch from, you know, evaluating him just as like a good freshman that comes in to giving him like the the Jabari Parker or, or, or Zion Williamson evaluation like, hey. You are clearly a star. We are now going to we are now going to talk about you like you're a star, and and we have flipped that narrative. I think from even from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, remember when people were saying Kyle Filipowski feels like he's been the least impressive of the freshmen? Oh boy, <laughs> let's rewrite right. that script. <laughs> what about what about the fact that like Kyle Filipowski is coming to Duke next year and and he expects to be a multi year player? Yeah. Well, we we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But 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 if the guy like one but of it's the, hard to not see him as a lottery pick right now. <laughs> yeah, one of the best plays from this game. He does that. He does that little like uh, step up, like behind the like dribbles behind his back and and pops like a a seventeen footer. Not you know there were a lot of long twos in this game, which was weird. Uh, Duke probably wins this game by by over ten if they just keep in mind where the three point line is. But yeah. that move was insane. Like nobody, nobody does that in college, let alone seven footers. All right. So you're talking about plays. Let's get to our favorite play as we wrap up our coverage of the Xavier game. I'll go first because I got two. I got two nominees. I'm I'm bad about this. My favorite play tends to extend beyond one. They are both plays involving Jeremy Roach. One of them was he hit a floater in the lane. Xavier got the ball and raced down toward the other end. And Jeremy Roach drew a charge at the other end. It was like the epitome of I'm going to beat you on one end and I'll beat you on the other end. Cap- encapsulated in like was this his was that his was that his lefty floater? There, the most no. impressive floater was the was the lefty floater. Is that no? The other that's one my thinking? other. That's the other favorite play. I swear there were three guys guarding him on that play, and he went. Th- there were two of them that had like him walled off on the baseline, and he went through them and then took that little lefty floater from like you know five feet or something like that right at the rim uh, first of all shooting that shot left-handed outrageous i don't Incredible. know how he got between those guys and still he was dribbling he was dribbling i don't know how he got his dribble between those guys it was some kind of feat of magic by jeremy roach that was my favorite play i liked i mentioned earlier i liked the the jalen blake's uh recovery of i think it was grandison that tipped the ball out blake's got the steal and then and then ran it down for the end one and then Filipowski's behind the back thing. It, it wasn't like a decisive play. I think it was relatively early in the game, but it made me go, whoa. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for our coverage of Duke's two victories, but their weekend is not done. The Blue Devils will be playing Sunday night against the very impressive Purdue Boilermakers. We're going to have a preview of that game, including 
perhaps the best player in all of college basketball. Ken Pomeroy says the number one player in college basketball plays for Purdue. We'll tell you about him when we come back. back from the break and we have to talk about duke's opponent in the championship game of the pk85 it is the purdue boilermakers purdue is led by zach Eady, who as i said right before the break is the number one player in the ken pomeroy player of the year standings kyle filipowski by the way is fourth zach Eady averages 21 and a half points per game 13.3 rebounds per game 2.8 blocks for, per game wow sam Tell me a little bit more about Purdue. I know you typically look at the players. What should we expect from this team? Yeah, Zach Eady, as you mentioned, is is the star here. And, and I feel like we need to apologize to Zach Eady as we get into this, because when we were previewing this tournament, I think we highlighted for Xavier, we highlighted uh, Nunji for Florida. We hired, we highlighted Colin Castleton. And we, I think, briefly mentioned Drew Timmy being uh being on Gonzaga under the assumption that Gonzaga was going to be uh playing in the championship game and, and lo and behold I, the best player in the tournament is Zach Eady. and lo <laughs> is, is Zach Eady. and by the way going into this game uh try to if you could avoid seeing any graphics about Zach Eady versus Kyle Filipowski good luck because that is going to be so much of the conversation here Purdue has has a few pretty impressive guards but Everything goes through Edie. Purdue was really great last season, but they had a number of guys, including Jaden Ivey, who was who was a, a top NBA pick. But they have a couple guys who are now in the NBA. They've lost most of their production from last season, except for Edie. And and this is not just a big man. This is a huge man. He's seven four. He's he he weighs almost three hundred pounds. Uh, as much as as Filipowski and and Ryan Young and Derek Lively have had to deal with some big li- big guys like Jack Nunji this season, none of them has been as big as uh, as Zach Eady. He is going to he, in in at least in stretches in this game, he will push Duke around. He'll push around anybody. He's great on the pick and roll. He's great at finishing around the rim, and that is going to be sort of the the main problem for for Duke in this game. There are a couple of other guys who are. Um, who are who are interesting for Purdue? Um, they have a couple of freshmen who've been who've been playing well so far this season. One of them is Fletcher Lawyer, who is the younger brother of Foster Lawyer. I I saw his name and I was like, oh god, those he those has parents to be really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what 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 were his, what were the parents uh, uh, thinking on that one? So uh, Fletcher and uh, Foster. That's uh, yeah, that's yeah. Not bad. yeah. I feel like when you shout it from the bottom of the stairs, you could get them confused because uh, you've got <laughs> the same sound at the beginning and the end. Fletcher Lawyer was the was the highest rated recruit that that Purdue got this season, but the most productive one so far this year has been Braden Smith, who uh, came in as a as a three star, but has has been scoring and distributing. I, the he's a he's a five ten point guard, so not very big, and and you'll hear I think a little bit about the matchup between him and Jeremy Roach in this one. The thing for Smith because he's you know, because he's a freshman and he's a three star, he, he turns the ball over a fair amount. And so I think the the key for Duke in this one is going to be seeing how much they can disrupt the guards and not let Zach E beat them. Zach E is going to get his points and he's going to get his rebounds 
And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of glad that Duke got the experience in the Xavier game, a, a game that Duke wins, but it, the experience in the Xavier game where, look, they were fairly evenly matched in terms of rebounding talent. Xavier is a very good rebounding team. And, and we said that the rebounding margin was was effectively even in that game. I think Duke, Duke only out-rebounded Xavier by, by like one or two. In this game, Zach Eady is going to be a load against Duke in the paint. And... And they're going to they're going to have to use all of Ryan Young's available fouls, I think, in this one to uh, to overcome him. So the question is how much Duke is going to be able to turn over Purdue's uh, perimeter and not let them beat Duke on the pick and roll, et cetera. Yeah. So let's get to some of the advanced stats with the Purdue Boilermakers. Ken Pomeroy says they are the number 13 team in the land, by the way. They are ranked ahead of Duke. Duke is now number 15 and Pomeroy's computer expects Purdue to win this game, 68 to 67. So if you think Duke and, is favored all the time, we are not favored in this game. Jason, on, on the topic of the Ken Palm rankings, uh, Duke was number nine heading into the Oregon State game and then dropped to 15 as a result of that win. Yeah, we 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 tumbled after that, that bad game, bad game. In any event, the other stuff about Purdue is this. They are one of the tallest teams in the land, thanks to Zach Eady being 7-4. Ken Pomeroy has them as the 14th tallest team in all of college basketball so this is yet another opponent where duke's big men will be battling against guys as big if not bigger um on offense purdue plays relatively slowly but they are super efficient they hit almost 56 percent of their two-point shots they're a very good free throw shooting team 77 percent from the free throw line they are an excellent offensive rebounding team it, to, to some extent this game may be decided on which team is able to get offensive rebounds because both of these teams are really good offensive rebounding teams. And, and, and Jason, key, when, yeah. when when you say that they're a good offensive rebounding team, you mean that Zach Eady is an elite offensive rebounder? <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, they, they grab almost 37% of their missed shots. Duke, of course, is number one in the country in offensive rebounding. We grab 44% of our missed shots, but... That shows you, I mean, this Purdue team is a team where you have to keep them off the board. You have to keep Zach Eady off the boards. On defense, let's transition to the other side of the floor. They don't force a lot of turnovers. That's not part of Purdue's game plan, and, and that's not something they do particularly well on defense. They do uh, a, a great job of not fouling and sending teams to the free throw line. They're fifth best in the country, number five at the number of free throws they give up compared to field goal attempts, you know, sort of tempo-measured Pay, uh, uh, stat there um, they're outstanding at three-point defense as well we've seen Duke struggle at times from three Purdue only allows 25 percent of opposing field uh, three-point field goals to go in one of the you know 15 best in the country at three-point field goal defense so this Purdue team is going to present a lot of challenges for Duke and like I said Ken Pomeroy thinks Purdue should be favored in this contest Headed into this, the, the the two things that I'm looking for, Jason, if you wanna if you wanna sort of think about this as both an opportunity for Duke to win a trophy and 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 you know be champions early in the season, but also as a as a point of development. Edie is obviously the the focus here, and so I'm I'm very curious to see how Kyle Filipowski in particular does against him. But there will be moments where Derek Lively is switched onto him or or where Lively is is sort of taking him primarily on defense, especially if Edie is is trying to stay more in the post. Oh, I, I really I, 
I actually I think that Philip, uh, sorry that uh, that Lively and Young will be the guys who guard Ed the most. Now Duke switches, so you'll see other people on him. But in terms of when he crosses half court and they come down to run their half court offense, which is what Purdue mostly does, because they don't you know they don't push the ball up the floor all that much because Edie's not that fast. Um, you're going to see Young and Lively as the guys setting up against Zach Edie at least initially. So it, this could be an opportunity for Lively to have an excellent game if he is really studied up on on what Zach Eady is going to do, especially in the pick and roll where he can be so dangerous. So I'm looking for for those guys to be ready on defense. Eady might still score 15 points, and we could say that Derek Lively had a great game, you know, making him uncomfortable. That that can totally happen in this game. Uh, the other thing that I'm looking for is, is like I said, Duke creating a lot of turnovers, especially guys deep on the bench. I want to see a little bit more bench production from Duke in this game, whether that's Jacob Grandison or, um, you know, Tyrese Proctor, if he's playing in a limited role, maybe, maybe see him break out a little bit. Uh, Duke should flex a little bit on defense. They're, they're pretty athletic and Purdue plays slowly. You mentioned Jason, this is going to be a game with not many possessions. Duke can, can uh, create a comfortable victory if they make Purdue really uncomfortable uh, on the perimeter. One advantage that Duke may have, you know, not a big advantage, but a, but something worth noting is that Ryan Young has played against Zach Eady for several years. When Ryan Young was on Northwestern, Zach Eady's been on Purdue. Big Ten teams like Ryan Young played against Purdue, you know, twenty plus minutes uh, in two games last year. For Northwestern. So Ryan Young at least knows a little bit of what Zach Eady is going to bring to the table. And Ryan Young probably can provide a pretty decent scouting report to the other Duke big men about what to expect here. And it's worth noting that unlike the usual holiday tournament where it's back to back to back, there is a one day break for Duke to really work on um, and learn about what they need to do to stop Zach Eady. Zach Eady was also high school teammates with Mark Williams. Uh, I don't know that that helps really? because, yeah, because they both went to IMG. So, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Edie was, uh, I think he's a year behind, uh, or he might have been in the same, I, I think he was in the same class as Mark Williams. Um, uh, because Mark Williams would be a junior this year and Zach Edie is a junior this year. So, uh, uh, pretty interesting that that they were teammates at IMG. And, uh, <laughs> man, how fun do you think those practices were? <laughs> yeah, 7 1 Mark Williams being towered over by 7 4 Zach Edie. Wow. Well, we are going to call it quits at this point. Uh, we've been going on long enough. It is time Jason, for do we have do we do we want yeah. to put off picking a player of the week, even though technically the week ends on Saturday? Should we hold off picking a player of the week until after the uh, the, the the championship out in Portland? Yes, we should because the week doesn't end on Saturday. The weekend's on Sunday. Who says the weekend's uh, on Saturday? The the Western calendar. The weekend's no. on Saturday. No, that's how we've on... always done it. No, we have not. The weekend's on Sunday. If if Duke has a game on Sunday, that's part of the of the week. When we recap it, the weekend's with a hey, the thing we're in right now. It's called the weekend, and it yeah, extends the, through Sunday. The first day of the week is Monday. That's I didn't know we were going to have this argument today, folks. I'm I'm going to go back and and do some research on our on our prior episodes. I think we traditionally we have picked player of the week after Saturday games, but. Uh, look, especially in this instance, I think it makes sense for us to wait until after the tournament is over because it is one sort of set of games. Yeah, exactly. And so we, I'll give you that. Okay. We, and we can't forget the Bellerman game from Monday. I, I will not. 
Right. That is part of the calculation of player of the week, but we will not be doing it right now. Instead, I have already actually forgotten about the Bellerman game, but <laughs> uh, if you need to fall, I'm just picking, I'll pick Kyle Filipowski because I have a, a pretty good feeling that he's probably my player of the week. So <laughs> if we had to do it right now, look, me... after, after yesterday, I might pick Jeremy Roach from uh, because of his performance against Xavier. So, so I'd say that like heading into the Purdue game, I am, I may be leaning Filipowski, but but you could convince me for Roach uh, pretty easily after after his performance against Xavier, and we'll see obviously what happens against Purdue. This is a game maybe that that Duke will remember this season because this this Purdue team is better than the Xavier team that Duke just beat, and and maybe one of the best teams that that Duke plays in the regular season this year. Yeah, you know the other guy to keep an eye on is Ryan Young. I, I, if I I have to look and see what he did against Bellerman. I don't remember, but Ryan Young has been really good in the first two games of this tournament. All right, enough, enough. We got to go. For Sam, I am Jason. For Donald over in Qatar, watching the U.S. Uh, men's uh, national football soccer team, whatever the hell they're called. Uh, that is it for this episode of the DBR podcast, the Duke Basketball Report. Remember, like and subscribe. Remember to write to us at dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back very, very quickly soon after Duke plays Purdue, before Duke plays Ohio State. The games are just crammed together here. It is really difficult to get these podcasts done and edited and out into your feed, but we're doing it as fast as we can. We are all done. It's time for the Duke band now. Play us out and take us home.